0: Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual and
1: physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best-selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our
0: elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe.
2: What is the shaman school? No, You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth my goal is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the shaman school is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the Shaman School, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamanduric.com and click on The Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello tribe and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast and I'm so happy you're alive and you're on this planet and we're here together. We've made the journey to earth, we've chosen our parents, we've chosen our geographical location of entry to be here at this most opportune time in our evolution that we all get to be here together all at once which is a beautiful thing and I'm just overjoyed by the momentum of spirit that I see in the tribe where everyone is really stepping into what it means to be a leader of legacy and step into their litness as a Liddy committee, no matter what you do in life, if you're a doctor or if you're an artist or if you're an ice skater or if you're a engineer or if you're anything and everything <laughs> that you are, because you're choosing to acknowledge and remember you are a lit leader of legacy in your field and holding it for the collective of all of your brothers and sisters in the Liddy committee. And this is very powerful. And not only that, of course, you have your children who are in the Itsy Bitsy Liddy Committee. So we are really developing and growing and expanding our consciousness and weaving it around the world to reach into the lives of other people just by the presence of our being alone. And this great undertaking that we have embarked upon is meant for success. And it is a sure way to create true global change by honoring who we are and remembering that any words that we were ever told that are contrary to unconditional love and acceptance does not compute it doesn't stick it doesn't comply it is not in alignment so therefore it is erased we are at this moment in our evolution making a true choice both inner And also outer from the perspective of individuality and collective as the way we want this world to look and to be shaped through our consciousness and through our emotions and through our actions. Every day we are creating these momentous energy alignments that are connecting with other people of like mind. That is giving us the ability to be able to move across the planet, mostly like you would see if you were to throw a rock into the water and see the rippling effect that takes place. The momentum of change is happening. And the more we begin to stay in our place, of mental clarity when it comes to understanding to not put our mind into negative, low vibrational thinking, lack consciousness thinking, scarcity thinking, fear-based thinking, and utilize tools and ways for us to up-level ourselves so that we have the tools to be able to thwart those things from happening and to diminish them and release them and clear them and transmutate them through alchemy and bring them back into a place of harmony so that we're operating on this harmonic field of intelligence and we're not operating on a destructive chaotic field right because the difference is as long as we continue to hold the containment field within love which in ourself and also project it out into the world as we as a collective of people are holding that containment field chaos cannot take its full place on the earth So the key element is to bring people together, to create community, to build circles, to build connections and family and friends and so forth, and really create the global ties that are necessary to hold that containment strong so that the chaos energy that are be created by those who want to keep dividing and separating and blaming and shaming and naming, right? we actually overthrow their energy because we are more in numbers than they are in the way that they're thinking and processing information from a low frequency. Do we have the power to do it? Yes, we do. Are we doing it now? Yes, we are. Has it been done before? Yes. And does it exist already in a quantum level? Yes. That means that we've already exceeded to that level, right? But we are one aspect of the quantum field of the many choices are the many voices that are operating in the multidimensional universe as the multidimensional earths that exist and the multidimensional you and me that exist, right? And we are one aspect of that. And then there are the other aspects in those parallel dimensions who made different choices and have different experiences, different technology, different everything on the planet based upon what we actually see from what they are having something completely different, but similar experiences. Whereas our planet, we have... War still ensuing and on their planet, they may have already figured out how to, to end war on their planet. And then on other planets parallel, they already could be destroying themselves to the point where they can't even breathe oxygen. So again, we are at a pivotal point on our planet to make a decision so that we can begin to open up the apex of energy of that possibility and then begin to create new possibilities from that possibility which creates another ring of a quantum level for more life to exist so in other words as we can continue to move ourselves in the trajectory of love on our planet right for the sake of love because of love because love is amazing and we should all be in that all the time right (laughs) that literally we are opening up an apex. And that information translates into another realm where the choices that we've made to choose love on our planet then creates another parallel of all the different dimensions of love that can be existing on the many dimensional earths and the many dimensional forms that we are in on that planet. Perhaps maybe on this planet, I'm a male and another planet, I'm a female and so forth and so on. So the understanding of the quantum sphere is the energy that is being created based on every choice that we make. There are multiple other choices that are being made because of our choices. And that's why it's important for us to make choices that are governed from the heart so that we're operating in the field of love's intelligence a lot of people don't realize that When they look at a tree and they look at nature, they look at the ocean, they look at the water and they see the sky and the moon and the sun and everything. And they think, oh, you know, this this is where the ocean is. This is the trees and this is that. But what they don't understand is that everything that you see, right, is governed by spirit. And so when we think of spirit, people think, oh, spirit is just like spirit. But spirit really is intelligence. Right. And intelligence is what tells the planet and what tells the sun and what tells the moon and what tells the cells in your body and what tells your your lungs to breathe and what tells your brain what to do to make these things happen and to turn these things on and to make it that they're trees so that trees can take in the water release the fumes from the trees and then create clouds and those fluffy clouds then pick up the water and then pour it down on the earth and then the sun heats up the earth so that the things can grow from the earth with the water, right? And then you have the air that will carry the seeds and all of the things and be able to, you know, create more life in different areas. All of these things that are happening are happening with the intelligence of spirit, right? So spirit is at this very very high intelligent level that i can't even really go into because it's so intelligent it knows exactly what needs to be created in every environment depending upon what's in that environment so the understanding of duality right is what creates the level of that intelligence so a high level intelligence which we call light right we call we call love we call divinity we call you know anything that we say is coming from the divine Right is what we call pure intelligence. Now there's higher levels of that pure intelligence that aren't based in duality. It's just there. It just exists. It's not high and low. It's just there. But when we get into our atmosphere and our planet, because we created duality for the idea of understanding how to connect with the animal species and build a body that is able to procreate and also be able to support each other on this planet. We've taken the one and we've made it into the many, right? And so that's what we do on planets. But in the inner planes where there is no need for planets and all these other things, and it's just pure light, we can choose to be male or female. We can be a child. We can be a zebra. We can be whatever we want to be because we are now back in the intelligent field of consciousness. Think of it in the sense that when you enter into a planet like Mars or Earth or Uranus or any of these other planets out in the galaxy... Depending upon the atmosphere, such as, you know, the metals and the iron and, you know, the different types of things that are there as far as the elements are concerned, right? The spirit uses those elements to formulate a way for that planet and for whatever species are on that planet to be able to live and co-adapt with one another in the ability to thrive, right? So that means that the system supports the system. Everything that's built on a planet has to support the planet. So everything is built based on if it's going to support it or not, right? So the key element is, is that nature already has this beautiful system that's already been put in place. The system is very simple and it's supported by spirit through the nature element. So every animal, every tree, every flower, everything you see has a reason for being for the purpose of supporting earth, supporting what earth is and what earth needs in order for everything else to adapt. When we came in, as these beings from another galaxy and we needed an oxygenated planet for our bodies to be able to sustain life and we knew that in order for us to live on this atmospheric planet we would need to merge with the elements on this planet and utilize our DNA with their DNA and create a new form in which we can adapt through as we continue to evolve with the intelligence of the elements and also the intelligence that the spirit has already put into place. We have... This body, right? But this body, the difference between us and the animals in nature, this is something to really consider, is that the animals in nature and nature itself is in alignment to the functioning aspects of what this planet represents for its survival, We infiltrated this planet with a new intelligence. And when you do that, you are actually mixing the information of how that planet has to adapt to that which is being infiltrated. So the planet's not like, hey, don't come here. Don't mess up our ecosystem. The planet's like, sure. Okay, fine. You're going to come here. You're going to change things. However, you need to understand and stay in harmony with the way the earth was created and why the trees are this and why the plants are this and why the rivers do this and why the oceans and the mountains do this and why there's one moon and there's one sun in this region of the universe and the sun heats everything and then the the moon brings the magnetic energy and all of these different elements play an integral part of how the earth adapts. To each other as a symbiosis, as a beautiful synergy of connectivity, right? And that's the, when you hear like the Lion King, the circle of light, right? It's the, it's this complete continuum that it never, there's no breaks in that continuum. But then you bring in a species that comes in with a different type of intelligence that is here to merge into the body of an animal so it indigenates with the animal species changing the DNA to make it so that it can have a developed body that it can live through however the situation with that is that the lifespan of an animal is very different from the lifespan of a human being and certain types of animal groups so As human beings, we are required to continue to develop ourselves through the elements of the earth itself that it gives us. And the earth is in alignment that we are going to follow the alignment of earth and how everything has a purpose and is created for the purpose of maintaining the earth itself. The only difference is we don't do that. We're actually the only species on the planet that doesn't do that. In fact, we actually think that we can defy the system that was already in place. And so therefore, we get to see that we are actually these gods in this body, considering the earth experience of its creation. So let me give you a little bit more understanding of that if the tree itself is created for the purpose of taking in water, creating gases to create clouds, and those clouds are created to pick up the water and bring it to the earth. But if there was no trees, there would be no what? Right? No oxygen, right? Because we need the trees. And also it would be a source to create the clouds so that those clouds can pick up the water. So if the water can't get To the earth, and the sun is scorching the earth, and it's not getting enough water and it's not getting enough growth to balance out the water and sun element, then the earth would catch on fire. So, this beauty, everything that gets created by the spirit, is created based upon this understanding. In shamanism, we see that everything has a purpose. Okay. You also have a purpose to be created. Now, the question is, Are you living in that purpose in alignment to the atmospheric energy that you are a part of? And most people are not. They're living in the idea of figuring out who they are because the system itself has built this industry. Right? And I'm going to call it an industry because that's what it is. And it's an industry where you come to earth and instead of actually learning how to merge with the earth, adapt with the earth, learn the rhythms of the earth so that you're in sync with the earth, just like the animals are, so that the earth can thrive, you can thrive, and everyone can be on this, in this harmonic place of thriving on this great, amazing planet. We go in and because of the industry that was created, we get pushed into that industry as children, programmed in that industry, not to understand the earth, not to be in sync with the earth, not to understand why spirit even created the earth and why it's important for us to be in sync with the earth so that everything can survive and so can we. We are taught to focus on things that have nothing to do With the earth itself, but more to do with what we can do with our minds and how we can manipulate things and create things so that we can take up more space and be more invasive and intruding upon the natural resources that are already created for us to live, thrive, and be able to live in harmony and homeostasis with. So... A lot of human suffering comes in because there is a part of our being that we are actually in, a, how do we say, rebellion or even abusive relationship with. And that's the part of us that made the first agreement when we first came to earth, when indigenating with the animal species, that we would be able to honor and uphold the spiritual energies that make and govern the natural elements that we see to be in harmony with them so that everything can continue to thrive and grow. But instead what we have done is used our intelligence to see how we can manipulate those environments and change it to fit lifestyles such as you see today that we feel that we need to have in order to live our lives so that we can create more things on top of more things and without even recognizing that we're building systems and ideas in a system that wasn't meant to go with that system. And instead of integrating our intelligence with nature the way that shamans and tribal cultures and indigenous people have, By being in harmony and in congruency with the way we are adapting with earth and nature and the elements and spirit, we are actually going against it. We cut out spirit. We treat the body, which is also an earth element. Combined ecosystem in a way that goes against nature. We don't interface our technologies, our advancements with nature. We don't create a space for nature to coexist with our choices and our designs and the way in which we build and the way we populate. So what it does is it creates an infraction and that infraction then instills a frequency of energy that literally starts to vibrate. Now, when it vibrates, it vibrates in smaller levels and then it builds and builds and builds and builds. And what we don't realize is the more that we cut down trees and the more that we continue to hurt animals, we are actually, in fact, hurting ourselves. Because the very resource of atmospheric energy that we require in order to sustain life is being absolutely tormented, abused, and suppressed, limited, And therefore, it's we are being seen as an aggressive marker to nature and animals that literally the nature and animal element has to start protecting itself. And when we start killing more animals without allowing them to grow and repopulate and create the balance, we're actually killing aspects of our own body. And we don't even realize more and more and more why all of these things are going awry in our system. When you see, you know, people having all these different illnesses and inflammations and and allergies and all of these things that you see are because of the way that we've been treating our own ecosystem, which is earth, because there's no difference between earth and our ecosystem. Earth gave us this body because we indigenated with this body, but our intelligence has not accepted to because we see our, our intelligence has an aspect where there is a division. That division does not acknowledge or respect the natural elements of its own choice to merge with. It hasn't accepted the merge. So we are these, like basically taking advantage or should we say abusing our power on nature and our bodies instead of choosing to see that the nature element in our bodies have to be in sync with our spirit. And that's what the whole spiritual thing is about from yoga to meditation to, you know, doing plant medicine to, you know, all the things that you see right now in the world where people are getting into a lot of the holism wellness, spiritual types of things that will help them to get back to a place of sanity and peace of mind is all there to get you in touch with those beautiful frequencies of energy that are saying, hey, stop abusing us, stop fighting us, stop you know, dividing from us and start aligning with us so that we can show you how to live a sustainable life on this planet in this universe, in this space. And when we begin to recognize that when science decides to get rid of their egos, get rid of their need to keep thinking they have to be smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter and and start actually going back to the basics, which is where shamans and healers and anyone who operates in the field of spiritual consciousness is to connect them with. It's the understanding of the bridging mentality of the relationship. That relationship, which has been severed, And continues to be severed is the more and more people continue to treat their bodies and nature with such disrespect. And really, just because you can drink a bottle of gin or vodka doesn't mean that's what your body needs in order to function. And also, whatever you do to your body, you're actually doing to the earth. So again, the body isn't getting exactly what it needs. Now, there's a lot of people who are changing that, and I'm thankful and I'm grateful for you who are creating certain types of ways for us to return back to the natural elements, um, getting back into understanding the ormus, understanding like what exactly our body needs to create the balance of microbiome and the balance that we need in our systems. But the balance isn't just about the body. It's also about the way we think and the way we feel because the higher our intelligence, which means light intelligence, which means the divine intelligence, which means high frequency... When we are stepping into duality, which we've created in our lives by separating energies into polarities and then giving one value over the other, and then basically categorizing them as what this one is versus what this one is, and then making judgments about them, this is good, this is bad, which creates duality. These energies create what are called magnetic pools. These magnetic pools create chaos and these chaos energies continue to move through people's lives. Now, we're not saying that you can't meet chaos and be able to move through chaos as an opportunity for growth and enhancement. But what we are saying is that the chaos, if it becomes too widespread, it actually begins to rip apart the frequencies of matter, which are trapped light. That means the light particles that are held in density begin to get unraveled. When that happens, you see earthquakes, floods, tsunamis. I mean, hurricanes, I mean, the list goes on, right? You'll see more health problems, more diseases, more pandemics, you know, more things that are going to cause an influx of death and decay and separation and fear and all of these things playing out because the containment field that holds all those things from falling apart is love. So the more of these polarities go out from each other and the more people keep putting these values of good versus bad and this versus that and I'm this and I'm that and this label and I'm this and I'm this and I'm gay and I'm straight and I'm bisexual and I'm blah, blah, blah and I'm da, da, da and all these different things. The more we continue to keep dividing and creating more, like I call it, every time we're creating a label or creating a sub-label, we're actually dicing, you know, when someone's cooking and they're dicing food on a chopping block, that's what we're doing. And the more we do that, the more we're fragmenting ourselves as a, as a nation and as a global family. And so the key element in shamanism is to remove those energies and bring them back together into wholeness, not from the definition of polarity, but from the understanding of life. Right and of love and of the simplistic understanding of being a family not just that your dog is your, your dog and you can domesticate your dog and yell at your dog and whatever but your dog is your family the trees are your family the flowers are your family the sun and the moon is your family and every part of your family deserves to be honored and respected and seen, valued, and acknowledged when we do that and we begin to see that as an everyday living function of how we operate That part of us that came here and infiltrated this earth to create this body that can live in this atmosphere and that indigenation that we did with the animal species to blend our DNA, will then begin to integrate in the right way. And we'll be able to live in harmony and be these intelligent beings. And also know that the planet also is intelligent and the trees intelligent and the animals are intelligent just as much as we are. And there's no hierarchy in our intelligence and there's no hierarchy in in the idea for competition on our planet of who's greater than who because of the idea that you get love if you're greater than that person instead of just seeing love for everyone. We have the capability to do so and it starts with with you it's with me it's with all of us as a collective and the first key and the first remembrance is to stay in a place where you are not caught up in that duality and you're holding the containment field of love for everyone around you and you're about bringing things together and not ripping them apart love you Hey tribe, so the tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the tribe. You can send that information to info at and share your gifts with the tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hello tribe, we have another tribe share by Stephanie Stanley, who has graciously given given us a soul talk meditation. Enjoy.
0: Welcome to this quick meditation. Thank you so much for dropping in. In today's meditation, you are going to say beautiful things to your soul. Before we start... Take a moment to make sure you are comfortable. Now gently close your eyes, or you may leave them open. Whatever feels the most comfortable for you. As we begin, I want to give you full permission to do something different than I say. Your only job is to listen, not to me, but to yourself. I am your guide, I am going to bring you on this journey and you are going to make it your own. As you settle in, take in a nice, deep breath. Hold it at the top and when you feel ready, release. As you ease yourself in, I am going to begin speaking beautiful words of existence, and after I speak these words, I want you to repeat them to yourself. Now let's begin. You are so special. I love how beautiful things are always showing up for you. you are always in the right place at the right time I love how you are always inviting in powerful energies to lift and shift you into higher places I love how you have an abundance of life force energy I love how everything around you magnetizes to you with complete ease and grace every time you walk into a room you light it up. I love how empowered you are. I love how aligned you are. I love how powerful you are. You are an autonomous thought leader. that you take your hand and place it over your heart. And let's lock these words with a nice deep breath, breathing in, holding at the top and now release. And as we feel these feelings of gratitude for ourselves and as we honor ourselves today, Let's envision this gratitude inside of us moving into the space and into the room that we're currently in now. And now imagine this energy filling your entire house. Now picture it filling your entire town it expanding into your state. And when you're ready, imagine this energy filling the entire planet. Isn't that beautiful? So please carry this energy with you throughout the day and take this practice with you wherever you go. Thank you so much for taking the time for yourself today.
2: Hey Tribe, we're gonna take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors, who is Lit Verified. The Lit Verified store is open, but what does Lit Verified mean? Lit Verified is an acknowledgement and stamp of approval by the Tribe. I have tried each of these products and they are the best. Lit Verified products vary from beauty, technology, clothing, food, health, and wellness, and anything that is ethically sourced, organic, maintained, and sustainable. Not every product offered to the team passes the Lit Verified test, no, not at all. Every Lit Verified product is carefully researched, every CEO has been met with, every ingredient carefully looked into, the process production of all of it. I have seen the impact these vendors are making. Their vision and ethics are aligned with our tribe, with people who are consciously supporting community and want to make a difference in our world and make it a better place for us. Lit Verified products are ethically sourced and meet the highest industry standards. When purchasing Lit Verified products, we give back by creating sustainability and by leading the world to make better choices. You can be confident that you're buying into a company that supports a vision for change, not just a company that wants to line their pockets with money. We live in a time where we are oversaturated by commercials, TV, and social media, where far too many celebrities and influencers are endorsing things they know nothing about and things they might be doing damage to people, to the earth, and to animals. With Lit Verified, we've taken that doubt out of the equation. You're not only getting the best, but you're also doing the best. Pick up your awesome Lit Verified items at shamanduric.com and click on the link that takes you to Lit Verified. Love well, tribe. All right, tribe, time to hear from our special guest. Hello tribe and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Durek and I am super happy that you are live on this planet and that everyone is leading their life in the most beautiful way by staying a lit leader of legacy and being a part of the Liddy Committee. We are here to turn it up. We are here to make changes and to shift the consciousness in a way that we can create a planet that is not only innovative, but also being able to create an exchange of love and connection in ways we've never done before. And about stepping into that place of realization that we can make our lives the best lives ever by being a part of a wonderful family of this lit tribe. And I'm so happy. So if anyone hasn't told you today that you matter and how important you are and what a genius and a beautiful soul you are, well, let me be the first because I am so happy that you're alive, you're thriving and living your best life and shining and radiating to every single person on this planet through love, for love, and for the sake of love. And speaking about knowing yourself, while you are on this planet, it is important for us to be mindful of who we are so that we are living in sync and in harmony with that true authenticity that we all deserve to live in. And that means our own rhythm, who we are, what we represent and how we operate in the world. And I have an amazing friend, a powerful genius man who is here with us in studio today. Rodrigo Garcia Platas is an expert in systemic psychology and Unani biotypes. Using his unique expertise, between the two, he has founded RGP Development, which focuses on the overlap between the biology and the psychology of human temperaments. <laughs> now, if you guys aren't excited already, he has created and facilitated so many transformational workshops around the world for nearly 20 years and has worked with hundreds and thousands of people, including world leaders athletes, dignitaries, and more. And I am so happy that he is in studio with us so that he can share with you this rich knowledge that comes back from the ancient times and has been brought forward in modern times so that we can rediscover and uncover who we are to lead a best life that we were born to lead. So I'm so excited to have Rodrigo Garcia Platas in the studio. Hello, Rodrigo. That's quite an introduction,
1: my friend. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
2: (laughs) Well, we're very happy that you're here as well. So tell us about your journey with systemic psychology and when did you first discover the power of Unani biotypes?
1: Well, I started as a transformational coach well, when I was 19. I started taking seminars because my mom found coaching fascinating and she started inviting us. And I, I started taking it as a student. Obviously, I was really young back then. I was so sure that I was going to be a politician. I was actually working in the Mexican Congress. And then I, I was just mind blown by transformational coaching, what they could create. And given that I had been exposed to therapy many times through the years in my life as a kid and as a teacher, teenager. When I found coaching, I was like, this is way easier. This this actually makes sense. And I started getting involved. I started supporting with the workshops and then by the time I was 22, I was already leading workshops first in Mexico. Then they started inviting me because I was really young for doing that. Most of my colleagues were at least 40, most of them 50, 60, and I was 22. So the word started getting around that there was a 22-year-old doing the same thing and with pretty good results. I started traveling the world. But then I also realized that coaching has a very big blind spots, like many things that it can't see. So I started uh, like drifting away from coaching a little bit, even though it was still like the main thing that I was doing, I wanted to learn more. And because I was used to handling really big groups, 200, 300 people, I didn't really have the time to ask someone the hundred questions that I wanted to ask to really know who they are and how to support them. So in looking for new ways of understanding people and also, I guess, specifically understanding the bonds that make us stay together, how we we seem to be confused about relationships and knowing ourselves and knowing others. Uh, We seem to believe that love can fix everything. And even though that's true, and love is the most important life force, I believe, when we love in in out of order, as systemic psychology says, uh, we can create more problems than, than solutions, even with the people that we love with all of our hearts trying to support them. So first I found systemic psychology it it gave me like a set of tools and and skills in understanding people and why we act the way we act, how we're actually in a scientifically proven way through systemic psychology. We follow our lineage and we carry six generations behind us of patterns that we carry through us. It's in our DNA. It's in our genetics. It's in our understanding of life. It's in our beliefs. So systemic psychology is the branch of psychology that kind of pays attention to the mystic and spiritual world and, and tries to understand it in a scientific way that's provable and that can be replicated and that can be completely understood through certain laws, like the things that you shouldn't do for your partner, the place that you have as a kid in your family and what's a healthy way to operate from that place within the family, how to be as a parent and how the roles are different and how when a parent is not being powerful enough, for example, how usually one of the children will try to react in order to balance the system out. And one of the children will try to become that parental figure, even for their parents. They can become like the grandfather of the system, trying to protect their parents and protect their siblings. And what that creates generations after that, because the system is out of order, even though everybody was trying to be their best self and loving everyone around them the siblings will start resenting this, this human being in particular because they feel like they're not being treated in the way they should by a sibling. Like this person is treating us like he is one or two generations above us. And this is actually one of the patterns that that I get the most. One of the kids becomes paternalizado, paternalized, like a grandparent, or triangulado, triangled, like right in the middle of, of the parents, like trying to be an aunt or an uncle to their siblings. And even though they try and give all they can, they even pay for the education. They try and make a difference in every way. They try to be present for them. They try to be a mother or father figure. Then years after that, they get really confused because they go like, I sacrificed everything for my family and they resent me. Well, yeah, they do, because you didn't love them from the place that you have in your system. You you disrespected your elders. You disrespected the level that you're at and who you who you are supposed to be and how you're supposed to love them. And that allowed me to start predicting things like getting To give you one example, getting a young, powerful, good looking man into one of my seminars and who who tells me this, this life story of I've failed in everything I try, no matter what I do, no matter what I try and create, I fail all of the time. And usually when we see people that are failing, we can see the perception of themselves and how they don't believe their power or they don't believe their beauty or they don't believe their connection to the divine or to the world. And then we can start supporting them in that. But when you, when you see a complete human being, good looking, attractive, smart, powerful human being, and they're not making it, there's no explanation for it. Psychology has a, a huge shortcoming world. Like well, when it has to, when it has to do with understanding and supporting people like this. And until I found systemic psychology, I was able to look at someone like that and directly ask them, Well, who the hell was your grandfather or your grandmother that are are so important to the system as seen as the son of the system, the most important important person in the system, that no one has permission to shine for two generations and no one has permission to marry someone powerful who would defy the way the system works. And you ask questions like that that seem extremely random and you hit the nail on the head. Like the guy started crying his eyes out and his father was, and he gave me permission to share this, but his grandfather was one of the most important uh, ambassadors and politicians within Mexican history. And as I was explaining to him, oh, if he's a man, no man has permission to shine or even try to outshine him within the system for two generations. And no woman can pick a guy who's powerful enough as to challenge the system that they would be expunged from the system, that they, they would be expelled from the system. And when you start teaching people this laws and mechanisms that, that apply when, when we're paying attention to a, a family, the way that we would do a human body. How does the system always look for balance? You really shift their lives. You give them their
2: power back. And it's such a gift. It is such a gift. And it, it, it's empowering. And also it gives people an understanding of each other. I think that's one of the biggest things that I had found in shamanism was that in shamanism we have this um, perspective where whenever people have conflict or difficulty with each other it's never with the other person, it's always with themselves. So whatever they are experiencing is actually reflective within themselves because they don't know themselves. And the more people know themselves and understand how they operate within the way that their life is governing them, then they're able to understand how to share information and how to connect with people and they understand why they're doing it and they understand how it amplifies in the world. And that's very important for human development as well as creating the understanding of sociology and how we develop ourselves in society. Because a lot of people who don't know themselves then will be affected by other people's behaviors and reactions based upon a lot of those you know, systematic behaviors that they have that they don't even realize why they have them. And then they start clashing and creating a lot of what we call disturbant frequencies in on the planet where people then start be falling out of relations with each other. And then that's how you have war and that's how you have dissension. and That's how you have division and that's how you have conflict. And the more people we say in Germanism, the more people know each other, the more they can understand who they are as an individual, then they know how to show up in the world and they know how to explain themselves to another person. So that person is aware of whom they're dealing with. So that's really beautiful.
1: I definitely completely agree with that. And it's funny because we live in such individualistic society and We don't know how to be a team and we don't know how to be part of a system. And even when we have sports that I'm also a sports psychologist, as you know, and even even when we're talking about sports that are supposed to be a team sport, we still value the individual on top of the team. We still make someone famous within the team like you're the main one. You're the reason why. And. The, the way we've developed the psyche of children and teenagers for the past, I don't know, 50 years is so individualistic and so like you, you need to be the best. You need to be the number one. You need to compete against everyone. That then we start wondering why relationships are not working, families aren't sticking together, and companies have extremely sociopathic ways of operating. But it's the result, it's the obvious result when we create a world in which we're telling people we're all separate, we're all different, and we're all competing against each other. And when we do that, people become amazing at never paying attention to the system that they belong to. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I I feel like the easiest way of understanding this is, is understanding where systemic psychology comes from. I always explain it like this in very simple terms, which is before we had psychoanalysis, we had no idea what to do with people. And if you had a a psychological problem, all we we knew how to do, the only treatment that we have was giving you electroshocks in your head, which by the way, does work with a couple of pathologies in very specific situations, but it's not a one size fits all thing. Like I have a problem, let's electroshock my head and see what happens then Psychoanalysis was born, and we finally started saying something way more humane. Like, what if we talk to them first? What if we realize what they have in their head and the beliefs that they created through their lives? And that was a a huge milestone in psychology. Like that—that's that's the beginning of psychology as we understand it today. But then, from psychoanalysis, structuralism was born, which is the idea that yeah, you're an individual who created beliefs and acts in a certain way, but you're also part of structures. So, for example, I'm. I'm Mexican, but my mom's from Spain and I spend an important part of my life in Spain. So I have a little bit of the Mexican structure and a little bit of the Spanish structure. And if you want to understand me, then you need to see the overlay of, of those two structures. But I also like soccer. So there's another structure, but I'm also a man. So there's another structure. And then that's how they started figuring out who people were by understanding the structures that they were part of. But then systemic psychology was born. Bert Hellinger. Who passed away a couple of years ago, sadly, but did a lot of work on this. And I love it when people in psychology understand or understand it about spiritualism and everything that we can't th- can't see and prove through mysticism. And systemic psychology is a little bit like that. It's both Bukai, the Argentine psychologist, and and Bert Hellinger, uh, the German therapist. They they were both priests before. So before they went into academia and wanted to into, went into understand the human psyche, they actually took a very deep dive. One of them for 10 years and one of them for 20 years of understanding the mysticism and spiritualism of human beings before even diving into systemic, well, into both of them into psychoanalysis and systemic psychology. And systemic psychology was the first attempt that humans have ever made of understanding that a family works like a living organism. That when you put people together and they become a family, even a tribe, a group of people like like your community, like my community, human relationships will always try to balance out the system. So, in other words, when we understand the human body, if I lose my eyesight, my other senses will get heightened. My living organism will try and create a balance for me to challenge the uh, everything and make life win and make my heart and my love and who I am win. I remember my my grandfather, he was blind for the last 13 years of his life. He lost his eyesight because of diabetes and many complications, but Everybody thought when he lost his eyesight, like, his life is over. Like, this is such an active, powerful man. His life is over. And the way he developed these other senses, like, I, I firsthand could experience this. My grandfather would know who we were just by the sound of our shoes walking around this house. He knew how much a bill was just by touching it. He would make jokes to me. He, uh, My grandfather... This is on my mom's side. He, he would always give us an allowance on Sunday to all of the grandchildren. And he always gave us 20 pesos. Uh, this was a long time ago. 20 pesos is nothing. Now it's a dollar, but it was (laughs) enough for us to have a, to have a good time on a Sunday. And. He, he would give me, I was his favorite one by far. And he would he would offer me a hundred peso bill instead of a 20 peso bill. And he would say, is this 20 pesos? And of course I was seven. I wanted to lie. I wanted to keep the hundred pesos and I, I would give it a go and go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 20 pesos. And he would slap me on the head. He knew exactly where I was standing. This, this is where he had been blind for probably five years. And he would take the bill away and just by touching it, he would go like, this one's a hundred. This one has more cotton in it. And, and he would pick a, a 20 peso bill and give it to me. He knew all of like his memory became mind blowing. He knew he had a huge library and he knew every book that he had. And he would pay me money to read the titles of every book in his library, just to know that he, had, he hadn't had one of them stolen, even though he couldn't read anymore, which is fascinating. There were treasures for him, for him to be able to tell people, maybe I don't remember this concept perfectly, but look for it in this book, which is on this shelf and explains it's explained by this author. And I think that will support you. So seeing how he balanced out uh, in order for his life to thrive, well, a family is the exact same thing. If someone in the family gets sick, if someone in the family passes away, if someone in the family stops being powerful for everyone else, the system just balances out. Someone else will try and take that place for the system to survive. And we call this sac- this this type of things a sacrifice of love. And when we do a sacrifice of love, we're trying to love and care and protect for for a system. But if we don't follow certain rules about how to still be respectful by looking at ourselves and understanding our place in the system and looking at everybody else and having compassion for their places in the system, if you don't see that, if you don't pay attention to that, even if you sacrifice yourself like crazy for everyone around you, they'll resent you for it because you're not being respectful of the elderly, the place that you occupy and generations that follow will pay the price too.
2: Absolutely. You know, in tribal culture, um, the way that the tribes were um, formulated is that they formulated themselves by understanding the structure of the tribe. And the shaman's responsibility was there to help each person understand what role they play and how if one person falls in the tribe, the tribe all gets affected. So what they would do is like where you were talking, because there's something you said that was very interesting to me, where you said that there was a time when they would do the electrical shocks, but they didn't have the understanding of how to communicate to the person Mm -hmm. and ask them questions. And it's interesting because in tribal culture, they've always communicated to the person. It was always about that communication. And what the tribe would do is they would center that person and each person of that tribe would speak to that person. And what it did is it started, what you see today, there's this thing called family relations Mm-hmm. And it actually is birthed out of shamanism. It's birthed from tribal mm-hmm. culture because you would actually basically take on every aspect of that person's experience and personality and share it with them from your perspective. And what it did mm-hmm. for the person in the tribe is it helped them to understand what was the imbalance. And then the tribe would hold an acknowledgement of the truth of that person versus what was actually being in balance. And that person would then all of a sudden come back to their self. And so, and the same thing is, is, you know, in every aspect of tribal culture. So the shaman would see the individual people in the tribe and help them to formulate that autonomy and the collective resourcing that is necessary through that autonomy. So the idea of a tribe thriving would be that everyone knows their structure and knows where they are, but holds that space of that sacredness. You know, and even when I when I teach people shamanism and share with them how to access that level of information, it's interesting that you're saying these things because a lot of the things that I talk to them about is that when they are you know training which I say remembering with me the understanding of how in which they bring reverence to everything that I'm sharing with them is not just for them, but it's also for the ancestors and for all the lineages that have taken the time to develop those things and bring them through the bloodline, through my different family members to me to be able to impart onto other people. And so it's it's really interesting how it all is connected. And if we think about it from the perspective of the global tribe and the global tribe, and one of the things that I see in the the human family is the human family operates in this idea of not seeing themselves completely. So they operate in the idea that I have to prove myself or I have to be something or I have to compete with someone in order to create value and to create sustenance for myself. So people are operating in this comparing themselves to other people. But if you look at the animal kingdom, for instance, the animal kingdom doesn't sit and think, oh, well, I'm a zebra and you're a lion and I'm jealous and it's not okay. (laughs) And so that's not cool. And I feel like I've been duped, right? And I think we're the only species on this planet that has not been comfortable in seeing ourselves as we are and we're always looking at billboards and TV and film and all these other mediums that are coming in to give us ideas of who we can be to get what this person has versus us learning about who we are so we can be authentically in that space so I really appreciate you talking about that how can Unani biotypes be used to create your ideal romantic partnership and how how do you work with couples using this system
1: wow that's a big question well the first thing i, I wanted to say about about what you were saying is that sounds like systemic shamanism my friend <laughs> which is really interesting i feel like <laughs> i feel like you and i were like going to meet somehow like in the same path in such a clear way and i feel like we're both experiencing something very similar which is we come from different backgrounds, but we're looking for the same answer and trying to create the same thing for people. And I feel like you've had this experience in the past, too, that we're in the in the exact era where sciences are actually starting to openly pay attention to spirituality in order to really make sense of things and being humble about, I guess, what we know that doesn't really explain everything. Like when I started explaining Unani biotypes, which we'll dive to, into in a minute— And and I didn't know I had so many people from different universities, researchers from different universities paying attention and suddenly going like, wait, are you telling us that we knew this for thousands of years and we're just trying to do the research to realize why it happens? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we've known this for a while now. And it's funny how, just to wrap this up, like how systemic psychology and and shamanism in a way found a connection, uh, at least with me, because my shaman, uh, Don Lauro in Mexico, who I used to work with for a long time, he always kept telling me, remember to remember, remember to remember. Mm-hmm. And my, my scientific head didn't really understood what he was talking about. And it was until I went into the, the spiritualism within psychology that that I started understanding like, oh, he meant like, never forget to look at yourself. And mm-hmm. he also meant, remember that we forget when we don't focus in who we are and pay attention to who we are and the people around us. And then how psychology even proved, neuropsychology, that every seven years, we forget everything because every cell in our body changes. And we just remember the last time we remembered. We don't remember the event itself because not one cell in our body was there. All we have is a story that we told ourselves about it. It's like... Suddenly science makes sense of spiritualism without noticing what they're doing. But anyway, the way I work with this uh, and how I put it together with systemic psychology and Unani biotypes, do you want me to explain first how, how I found Unani biotypes?
2: Yeah, of course. You went into this other place, and I then all of a sudden I had all these other questions that just came up in my head. <laughs> Sorry. So then I'm like, oh, let's just throw out my my other question and let me go back into this one. But um, but yes, before you explain about that, about the romantic partnerships and so forth, really wanting to go into how you came across it and and then go into that space but before you do that i do want to make a a comment about something that you just said which was about the scientists and so forth not knowing that this already existed and really for me which is really interesting as a shaman looking at how there was some kind of split or some type of sever that took place between the spirit and psychology and not really understanding that you cannot truly see the whole picture unless you're able to encompass the whole entire being. And that also means the, the design, the designer of that being. So, you know, a lot of times when people think about, the body they think about the physiology and they think about you know the the neurology and they think about the all the different parts of the body and everything and the emotions and so forth they don't understand that the spirit is the intelligence that is what we call in shamanism the high intelligence that knows that every single thing has to support one another in order to thrive so it only mm-hmm. creates that which can support in order to thrive and so we as human beings because we overthink and we're letting our mind do everything instead of letting our hearts be a part of that experience and creating that coherence we actually start thinking greater than the natural order of harmonic connections that synthesis is creating to maintain the structure of thriving for the animal kingdom the natural kingdom you know in us and i find that very fascinating and i'm wondering Based on what you said, if that's because human beings thought that they were smarter than the spirit and therefore decided to sever that connection and therefore begin to build a structure that only supported the information through the testing and the blind testing and the empirical knowledge that they would get from these different experiments instead of really going in and going, wait a second we don't realize that we're actually intruding upon a system that was organically operating naturally on its own. And yet we came in and began to change it because we thought this would make us more intelligent and there must be more because we can't accept simplification of information and what we call human technology or or should I say the development of our species and the minerals and the animals and the planet itself. So that really rang for me and that understanding and also just the the dynamic structures that we've created to sever that and then the entitlement of how do I say, righteousness and our our need to be um, correct about something, even though we can see the effects that we talk about science, we look at the testing that goes on in order to find if things are, are what, you know, if this thing is something that is happening to you or something that can happen to everyone, right? But we don't see that in the way that the world looks now. We don't see that those severing of those structures has created a real test for us. The real test, which is not even a blind test, it's an awakened test of seeing how humanity has suffered, how nature has suffered, how all these things have suffered because of this sever. So I just wanted to share that because you got me on this. When you said what you said, it just lit a fire in me and I just got lit. And I was like, okay, I got to share that. But I want to go into how you found and what you want to say about what I just said. And then yeah. go into it. we. I mean, you and I are so random. And I literally <laughs> we're going to be jumping all over the place.
1: <laughs> Never put two sanguins together in a room.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So we're like, uh, oh, yeah, this one, this one. Yeah. So anyway, going back to what I was saying, going yeah. into if you have anything you want to say about what I just said and then how you came upon that.
1: Well what you're bringing up is fascinating. So of course I have to talk about that and it's a question that I've had in my in my head for a long time. Like when did we change our path? And I actually have the answer or at least the answer that that kind of explains it to me right now, which is I came across this book in my teenage years. Like my dad reads a lot and he would he would spend all of his money in books if he could. And once as a teenager I started walking up to my dad and I said why is there this separation between the sciences and spirituality? And given that my dad is an engineer, uh, but he also has the spiritual side hidden, but very present. He, he was always reading fringe work, uh, even as he was doing his PhD. He was reading fringe work but within economics and spirituality, between engineering and spirituality. And I was always paying attention to that. And he really liked this author, this PhD in high, high energy physics, Friedhof Capra. And he has a book that, that actually explains a little bit of what we're talking about. It's called Turning Point. And he actually blames the court about all of this. He says that humanity was on a very specific path of growing in science and spirituality together and how the heart was as important as the mind. And we knew, we knew where we were going and we gave as much Interest, attention, and funding to the the spiritual growth of the people as to the scientific growth of the people. But when Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, he validated the human existence through their mind and and their thought process. And in that instant, we decided that we were going to start worshiping an organ within the human body, that we were going to start worshiping the brain and that completely shifted the path of humanity we completely stopped paying attention to spirituality and the and the spiritual and and mystical growth of human beings and we just paid attention to science because we decided that what separated us from the rest of the world was our minds we even have in mythology many stories about human beings being so arrogant that they talk to God and say like, we're better than you. We got you. Like we understand what you're doing. We can see your plan. And we have mythologies of how resentful, like this God that we made up in our stories and in our heads, obviously, uh, how resentful he was and how he was pushing us back. And that's why we have different races and, th- and different languages and different cultures because God was splitting us apart for us not to be as smart as he was and figuring out everything. Like yeah, that's the how arrogant we got. Exactly. It's House of Babel. That's how arrogant we got that we started creating this mythology about us being smarter than God and only valuing our minds. And I always tell this to my students for them to understand exactly where I'm going to. I tell them years ago, a couple of centuries ago, where did we think we lived uh, within the human body? And someone always tells me the heart. And I tell them, yeah, we thought we lived in the heart. That's why In the Middle Ages, the heart was so important and always referred to as the source of your power and the source of your being. And it has some scientific logic to it too. too. Like if you pierced someone's heart, they died. So it was easy to assume that that's where their life was stemming from. And then I I asked my students, like, what do you think about people that believe that we lived in our heart? I'm setting a trap for them, obviously, but they tell me, Oh, they were stupid. And I I even shared with them a story about in the first stages where we started working towards being able to to make heart transplants, there were people standing outside of the hospitals where they were trying this, believing that maybe the human beings would wake up and uh, switch bodies because if I live in my heart and they put my heart in your body, I should wake up in your body. When I tell them the story, they go like, oh, they were so stupid. And then I stop and I tell them, well, guess what? you believe the exact same thing about the brain now. You think that if I, if I put my brain in someone else's body, then I would wake up in that body because you have the worship of the mind instead of the worship of the heart. That's and right. I always tell them I'm dying for someone to make the first brain transplant because without noticing it, we will validate the soul. We will literally scientifically validate the soul. Yes. Because I'm I'm 100% sure that if they put my brain in someone else's body, that person will wake up in their exact same body just with an exchanged intellectual capacity in the same way that if you put their kidneys on me, I will, we would have an exchange filtering capacity through, for our urine and blood. That's pretty much it. And through that, we will actually validate that we're not our bodies. We have our body, but we're not our bodies. And that will take sciences in a very interesting path.
2: I think it will. I think also too, you know, And this is interesting when you talk about the heart because in shamanism and the way that I've been sharing with people when I developed spirit hacking, the reason why I developed spirit hacking was to take shamanism out of shamanism so that people who are like, oh, I don't want to be a shaman, but really help them understand that to, to blend both neuroscience, psychology, understanding of kinesiology, understanding of metaphysics, understanding of the human um, physiology and how we're operating in the communication with the body, with the cells, with our brain, with our heart, with our organs and with nature and with animals and so forth and teach people how to utilize the frequencies that are being communicated to those different aspects and how to activate those frequencies themselves and be able to change certain things within their system. And so. You know, I share and I dedicate that a lot. But the reason why I dedicate that a lot to people and really talk about the heart is because we always, I always talk about how the brain is a polarity organ. And because it's a polarity organ, whenever you go to bring information to the brain, the brain has to go through and look at all of the different experiences that you've had. Also, that's what's stored in your limbic stem, what you're experiencing in your precognitive state, what all these different things are before it gives you an answer. And usually that answer is based on. A lot of your belief systems and things that you've been programmed with. Whereas the heart has in it neurites, which is the same conscious cells that are found within the brain, but the heart itself is not polarity. So it's held in the idea of expansion, it's held in the idea of quantum. So it sees all of the things that are in alignment to you systemically and then connects you to it. But because the brain overpowers the heart, most people have lost connection to the heart. So in ancient times, a a lot of the tribes would always talk to you with their hands on their heart. And then they would listen to you especially in the mayan toltec culture african culture sami people a lot of the mongolian people they'll hold their hands on their heart in ancient maya it was known that you would put your hand on your heart and acknowledge the person and and when people would speak you would hold your heart and you would have this great love and that it was considered the son of your being is your heart it's this radiating light and they they and they saw it very strongly in those cultures and in African wisdom as well too, in African spirituality, we say that the heart is the gateway to the source and the mind is the gateway to humanity. So it speaks on, the mind basically takes what it's learned and through repetition and through domestication of like, you're good, you're bad, you're gonna not get something, you are gonna get something. So it, it's just a fixer. What it does, is just wants to fix everything to make everything safe so that it can function. Whereas the heart is not thinking About that, the heart is thinking for you, like what is in harmony with you. So it's really powerful that you said that. And I would actually love to bring you into the clubhouse that I have, Spirit Hacking Club, and have a discussion just on this topic if you are open to that. Because I really think people need to hear that. And I also think that people need to hear you and I. We need to, and this is just thoughts that are coming to me in our conversation to go out in the world and do talks and so forth in different places of the world and really begin to bring this level of information to people from both perspectives so that they can see how disjointed we have been as a society, as a collective people on earth, because there's so many people who've put so much of their attention on just science and science has purpose. Spirituality has purpose. Now, it's not purposeful if they're not operating together. This is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm talking about building a fringe lab, because I really want to bring scientists and neuroscientists and people such as yourself, and we get into a lab and we start bringing that level of fringe awareness to people so they can see how these things are interacting. So yeah, you're definitely definitely my brother. And I'm definitely in sync with you on so many levels. Even the fact that your wife is a phlegmatic. (laughs) And I have some questions about that as well. I, I told my girlfriend, I was like, you know, we're going to be married and have, you know, our lives and everything, you know, and, I, you, you, you know, my friend Rodrigo, I'm going to go and get some information from him about how, you know, he deals with his situations with his wife being a phlegmatic because sometimes it's a challenge for me, you know, yeah. because she'll go into these <laughs> emotions and I'm like, why don't we just move through this and like, you know, let's, you know, and she's like, why don't you just sit here and listen to my emotions and let me be in for three hours for three, four hours, you know, <laughs> exactly. And so I'm like, okay, let me just kind of dial it in and see like, okay, let me just put set up my time to sit here and really be open. So I, you know, so you know, first of all, I just want to commend you and and acknowledge you and really just say thank you for stepping and finding this and being such a pioneer of this technology and this information mm. because it is so needed on the planet and it is so necessary because even when you and I do rooms together and you'll be reading someone and talking to them about who they are and so forth and then I'll bring the shamanism in and people are just like how is that even possible and know. It's, it's, it's the marriage it really is yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful partnership so Please continue. I wanna. I wanna hear what more. I, what
1: I love about our partnership and what we do in Clubhouse sometimes with people, why read their biotype and their personality, and then you open all this like gateway, gate, like floodgate of shamanism and knowledge with them, is how in sync they are. It's mind blowing. And we've yeah. tried you going first and me going second. We've tried me going first and you going second, and it always sounds like we had a script and we agreed on everything and how important certain things are for each person. Like every time I hear you uh, after I, I do someone's read, I go like, oh yeah, that's so obvious. Yes. Like given that they have this biotype and this personality, of course they need that. That makes total sense. I enjoy it so much. Like I learned from you from you a lot. I learn from you together. too.
2: I talk about you all the time and I learn. I learn from you as well. And, I, and when I say learn, I mean, I remember, you know, yeah. you and your energy and, and this wisdom that you're bringing forth. and looking at it from its perspective of the quantum intelligence that is happening by you bringing this information forth. Because a lot of times people don't realize is that whatever we're bringing forth right now is not just for this moment now. It is actually rippling into all the different quantum layers of reality that are existing simultaneously. And so therefore there's a greater awakening that's taking place beyond even what we are experiencing. And we are just basically opening, like taking the key and opening the door. And then that door opens to you know, amazing amount of things that people have yet to, to discover just by us stepping into that role. So you do it so beautifully and I love it. And I, and I love it because it's such a mirror reflection of how I operate. And of course, we're both sanguins, you know, yeah. and I'll even make a comment to my girlfriend. I'll be like, yeah, we're well, already go sanguine too. And his wife is phlegmatic. So, you know, I'm going to go to him and talk to him and see like, we're going <laughs> to, I'm going to share some notes with him and see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, you do that, honey. You do that. <laughs> <laughs> She's so my excited to meet me you.
1: My my wife tells me sometimes, of course, she watches everything we do and she she pays attention when we're in Clubhouse. And she's always telling me like, sometimes you're too scientifically, scientifically rough. Have you listened to how Shaman Durek speaks to people and he can say rougher things than you in a very sweet way? And I'm like yes, baby, I'll pay attention to that. You feel like that because you're my beloved fake fire wife and I know I know how this works and I know who to be with you so that this works. So it's it's about really being able to see ourselves and also knowing who other people are and how they experience and know that what they're expre- expressing is not the truth, but it is the truth from the place where they stand. And we get to have compassion for that and to understand that our experience is our truth because of the place that we're standing in. And when we don't understand our biology and our genetics, we become very positional and we just want to fight everyone that that's doesn't see the world through our perspective.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I say that to my sister a lot and she's phlegmatic. Yeah. And I and I even said it to her yesterday. I'm like, remember, they don't think like you. Yeah. They don't feel like you. Yeah, yeah. And then she had to pause and sit and go, Well, I don't understand. I feel everything. How come they don't feel it? I'm like, because that's not <laughs> who they are. You know, and then you need to meet Rodrigo. <laughs> I I love how I love how fake fires have this way of explaining
1: things. And I mean, you're about to marry a fake fire and I married a fake fire. So I I believe that we have permission to be open about this. But I love how I love how fake fires and and also uh, choleric men, which we'll dive into in a minute, have this way of understanding life that makes them believe that there is an absolute truth. And then they they say things like, this is obviously correct. And whoever doesn't see this is wrong. Yep. And I always go like, yeah, there's, there's no way of saying a blank statement like that. There's no way of saying like, this is the right way. And everyone that has said that historically has been proven wrong in a very dramatic way in a very yes. short time.
2: Yes, I say that to my <laughs> girlfriend. She says that a lot. She'll say to me, she'll say, yeah, well, you know, this is the way, this is the way, I mean, this is how it is, babe. This is how it Mm -hmm. is. (laughs) And I'll be like, how do we know how it is? There's many roads that lead to Rome, babe. And how do we know that that is the only one road that, you know, that is there? I'm like, a wise person sees many roads, not just one. And she's like, okay, honey, I hear what you're saying. I get it. You know, and I have to say the same thing to my sister because they're both the same. They're phlegmatic fake fires, you know? So they get like really like huffy puffy, you know, when when they get upset about something. And then I have to be like, the thing is you're really hurt right now. And you want to be strong and you want to encase your hurt and all of that that emotion. So you're using this fake fire to come off strong and like you can figure it out and have it all figured out. But inside you're like freaking out. So just release it like just freak it out like you know get the emotion out and then they finally drop the fake fire and then they come and they start um, emoting their emotions which is exactly they drop
1: they drop into the water and the only reason we can connect to them is because we understand their come from so every time my wife uses her strength in very powerful ways i see it and instead of Feeling the way I would feel if I didn't know all the information that I've studied for years about phlegmatics and, and about fake virus and those types of personalities. I would probably try to fight her back. But I actually have a lot of respect and compassion for their power. And I know that you, t- that you do too. Absolutely. Because we know the struggle that power was forged in. And we know the depth of their emotions. And we know how they had to decide what was true and what wasn't in order not to feel hurt growing up. And that's why we can go like, I love your power. I, I love that you're this amazing. And I'm willing to take some of the pain that comes with it if that means having this passionate, amazing human being close to me
2: absolutely that's exactly how i feel about my girlfriend and that's exactly how i feel about my sister Yeah, and that's and that's the relationship we have and i'm like you know i'm here for both of them i'm here to hold space for them and i'm here to understand i understand why they're getting into that space and i just create a safe space for them to be able to release those emotions so that they don't go to the point of burning down the house um yeah. <laughs> word, you know and then feel sad about that as well so it's like burn down yeah. the house and then i'm sad about that i did that and Was I? I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I did. I went a little too far, you know. And like really being able to pull it in and go like, okay, let's just drop into the emotion and let's just look at the pain and the hurt here. You can cry. We can release it together. Let's like let's confront it. So yeah. So did you say I? You know, because we're I I, like I said when you and I together we get so wrapped up. (laughs) I'm you know did you talk about how you came into the. We can ramble about important stuff for hours
1: my friend. <laughs> I know you can and I know we can. <laughs> yeah, I'll explain it really fast so that people actually understand why we're having so much fun with it, with all of this terminology. Yeah. So while I was looking for every new possible technique and understanding of people and how to read them in a fast way, I went into semiologia. I went into the the disc study of personality and tried to become like the foremost expert at, at reading people, cold reading people through their personality. But there was always like very specific limits to how you can read people. And then Sometimes they show you how to read the face and sometimes they show you about micro expressions. And and I went into NLP and I started paying attention to how people got dressed and how they walked. And the truth is that, does that matter? Yes, it does. It's really important. But you never know if this person is walking and dressing like this because they have a really important job interview in an hour. So they, they weren't so precise. Like I never found something that was like, okay, nailed it. Like I completely understand this. And also because we're sanguine, Sanguines live in action, and we'll we'll explain all of the biotypes in a minute, but sanguines live in action. So for sanguines, for something to make sense, we need to understand its mechanics and applicability. Yeah. That's why sanguines just buy things, never read the manual. Just press buttons until they become experts at it. That's and we, right. We're we're the exact same way when it has to do with human relationships, when it has to do with the logical understanding of one human being and how why they relate that that way to another one. So if it doesn't really apply mechanically right off the bat, then it doesn't make sense. Like I, I've studied so many theories that brought something interesting to the table but didn't really feel feel sound. Like for us to promote something, for sanguins to promote something, it means that they've practiced it and and they understand its applicability in any situation. So Mm -hmm. when I found biotypes, it was my first time not feeling like this was some fluff, wishy-washy thing that meant that I had to connect to a higher power for the higher power to give me a message. And I was like, I'm not a shaman. Like, I don't know how to read those messages. I need something that I can just look at people. I know exactly who they are. And I was telling... Telling people all over, like if you find something, let me know. Because I, I'm I'm a really good student and I really like learning. And then suddenly my dad's assistant walked up to me and she said, I found it. And I didn't even know what she was talking about. And she said, Ro, Ro, I found I found it. And I said, what did you find? And she said, I just found this Mexican doctor who just arrived from India from studying there for years. And he's not really into the psychological side, but he's an amazing MD. And he's an MD in like orthodox medicine and allopathic medicine, as we call it. Uh, Also a homeopathic doctor. But then he went to India, learned Urdu and learned Unani biotypes. And I was like, I need to meet this guy. I went to his office, this really small office that that he had. And I I was fascinated because he was charging, I'm not kidding, like probably 70 bucks for the hour. And I opened the door. And as soon as he saw me, he said, oh, my God, a sanguine in Mexico. I didn't know what a sanguine meant. So I wasn't impressed. Uh, So I sat down. (laughs) So I sat down and I was like, what the hell is a sanguine? Explain it to me. And he read my life. Like not even my best friends could have said so many accurate things about me. He spoke to me about how I take action, where, uh, what type of things I'm attracted to, how my health worked, how my stomach worked, how my sexuality worked, what I love eating, what I should have stopped eating because I know that I can't stop, uh, how I understand other people, how challenging my life must be in Mexico, given that I'm a sanguine, when we don't really have a lot of sanguines in Mexico. And I was listening to the whole information and going like oh my God, I need to pick this, mind, this man's brain apart for the rest of my life. Like, I need to understand this. So by the end of the session, when he had explained how I gained fat, how I lose it, like everything, what, how my friends look like, he even looked at me and he said, you're some type of facilitator and you must really care about people's psyche. And i was like, who the hell are you? Like, mm. this, this makes no sense. And he just knew that, Given what type of sanguine I was, he was like, you're a smart sanguine and smart sanguines are always in front of people trying to support other human beings, find their freedom and their compassion. And those became my became my motos. You know, this that I always say I want people to find freedom and compassion. And yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And I remember I sat with him and I said, "Okay, it's not fair that you're here having this level of wisdom and this level of knowledge. He's also an alchemist, by the way. And I was like, it's not fair that you have this level of of knowledge and you're charging this much for your services. Like, there's no way. He even makes his own medicines through alchemy. It's mind-blowing. He removed allergies from one of my nieces that... The, in Houston in with the best hospital dedicated to allergies, they could never make the allergy stop. And he made them stop with some droplets of something and changing her nutrition for a couple of months. So as an MD, his name is, his name is David Duarte and as an MD, he's mind blowing and he will, he will use any technique. So I said, let's do something. Let's make an exchange here. And he said, okay, what do, what do you want? And I said, I will coach you into success and you will teach me all this stuff. And he said, okay. And we became really good friends right off the bat. We're still really close. He lives in the States now. And now he's extremely successful. And he sells his own medicine, his own nutrition plans. He he still talks about biotypes every once in a while. He's in really high places doing other stuff, creating new formulas for new medicine. It's mind-blowing. But when he talks about biotypes, he goes real, really deep into nutrition and certain things. And he now I introduce him as my mentor. And he introduces me as the, the foremost expert when it has to do with physiology and psychology in human beings so i learned it through that but i had my playground because i had rooms of 200 300 people every 3 weeks in mexico city so i could practice it for years and years and see its accuracy and then i i started like over developing the theory. I started, I learned about structures, muscles, bones, and some of the shapes, but then I started paying attention and just writing everything down. That's why my book is going to come out probably in a year. My first
2: book about Unani biotypes. Great. Really, I'm excited. I can't wait to promote it.
1: I'm really excited too. And I'll, I'll love to, I'll send you the first copy, I promise. And because you're very important in this journey and I know it. Uh, but I started noticing the patterns in the hands, in face shape, uh, in the, the size and the shape of the joints, the legs, and how like specific nutritional things are really important that were weren't really on the original text that I had to study through. And then I started paying attention to how relationships and interactions usually work with between them. I started realizing that I could drink for free, just telling people because I love traveling, I'm traveling alone. I know that you do too. So I went through all of Asia alone <laughs> and all I did. It was talk to people in restaurants and bars. And at night, my party trick was I would go to a bar and just look at someone on the bar and tell them, Are you in love? And and you can feel it when people are in love from a biological place and they just look at you in a very passionate and animalistic way and they go like, yes. And and I would just tell them, I bet I'll bet you a beer that I can't describe the person that you're in love with physically. And all I need to do was describe the exact opposite genetic structure. And you hit the nail on the head 80% of the time. Because most people in the world fall in love just through biotype. So now, if you want, we can take a little dive into explaining the four cores of biotypes and what their traits are, what they're usually interested in. Do you want us to dive into that?
2: Yeah, let's dive in. But I, I want to understand from, because you had mentioned sexuality and energy mm. and so forth and food and all that for us as sanguines. What is how does that relate? What like what kind of sanguine am I?
1: Uh we have four types of sanguines. Like we have promoting sanguines, which are like that's that's how I put it together. I I joined this the disk study of personality, then I brought in biotypes, and then I brought in systemic psychology when it relates to how we create our, our identity within, how we understand our inner confidence and external confidence. And I found the connection in what what a, what a sanguine needs to go through to not be a promoting sanguine, but be, for example, a controlling sanguine or an analyzing sanguine or a supporting sanguine. And it has to do with mom and dad and our, our understanding of them. It doesn't really have to do with who our parents were. It has to do with how we interpreted the love that they were giving us and if we accepted it or we re- rejected it. Mm. And sanguines usually, because... Remember, let's start. Let's actually start with sanguine, so that I can actually uh, answer answer your question in full. Yeah, then we'll go
2: down. We'll go down the 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 slide. Exactly. So uh,
1: (laughs) sanguines are air. Like their element is air. And you and the uh, the actual element that we use to describe sanguines, the uh, the triangle looking up with a cross with a line crossing it, is actually the symbol for air. And that's the symbol for, for sanguines. Sim- yeah, too. that's
2: the symbol for air and shamanism as well. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's the symbol that we use for sanguines. Like if you look at ancient Urdu texts that have the names of people, they usually have the element by them and it's referring to their biotype because we didn't have pictures for you to know exactly what body shape you were looking for like what type of person you were going to find. Now, the sanguine element is air. They live in action. Their core is action. We live in doing. And we only pay attention when we're trying to learn from an experience so that we can replicate this experience for other people. So we're not good at paying attention until, unless we can see the applicability and the support that this could bring into other areas of our life. And that, that also relates to where we hide and what we value. What we value is experience, and where we hide is a nexus. Even as we're building something amazing, we were usually excessive. Like if a sanguine enjoys something, they'll do it for the rest of their life. And if you're not careful with it, they can become out of balance and forget about themselves, their health, uh, their relationships that really matter because they're being their purpose. They're, they're mm-hmm. creating an impact in the world. And that's why we always need someone protecting our sanguines that are trying to make a difference in the world. In fact, this is why we're attracted to fake fires, you and me, my friend. Because the obvious thing is for us to be attracted to melancholics, and we we usually try it, but they're very challenging relationships because melancholics live in their heads. And now let me explain melancholics really quick. Melancholics, we call them the joy intellect the eye intellect. They absolutely live in their heads, and their brain is what they value the most. Then their element is Earth, and that's why they're the the triangle upside down with the line crossing it. It's mm-hmm. the Earth, and they, they need to be grounded. They need their feet to be on the ground. They need to be paying attention to every detail and analyzing and processing every piece of information. They're usually very skinny, in the same way sanguins are usually stocky, because we will look more like a square and melancholics look a lot more like a rectangle. Their hands, their head, like everything. It takes me nine hours to break it down when I describe them physically, but so their element is 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 the earth their core is intellect what they value is intellectual certainty and facts and where they hide which makes total sense, is in fear because they're always overthinking and second-guessing themselves and, and trying to have the, 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 the absolute correct answer, no questions asked. And even as they make a decision, with which is really challenging for them, by the time they make it, they already made it. They're still second-guessing themselves and thinking that they probably made a mistake. And at the beginning, when we're unevolved sanguins and unevolved melancholics, we fall in love with each other like crazy. We're absolute genetic opposites. And then what happens is the sanguine feels very attracted to the intellect of the melancholic and the melancholic feels very attracted to the risk taking and power of the sanguine so at the beginning relationships are like that but it's this fake promise of thinking that if i'm with someone who's very different from either my better half my other half like we're a half human being going through life looking for something to complete me like we're not complete ourselves yeah and instead of this things permeating from one side to the other, the melancholic person that's with me is not going to become more risk-taking, and I will not become smarter and pay more attention just because I'm with a melancholic. So what will happen is that even though we get seduced by these ways of being, what ends up happening is that we become, we become more polar. The sanguine will take, become more risk-taking because now they have a melancholic that's paying attention, and the melancholic will become more afraid because now the sanguine is doing dumb crazy things because he feels a little bit safer or she feels a little bit safer. And now the melancholic feels like the sanguine is reckless and they're both going to die because of the things that you're doing. So instead of balancing out, we just polarize more. This is why we become more individualistic and more like we feel like everyone else in the world is wrong. Now, why am I explaining this? Because I believe you and I are the same. We were born as promoting sanguines. We felt loved, even though we were in very challenging situations growing up. We, we wanted to interpret everything as love because that's what promoting sanguines do. And if mom leaves, we usually go like, well, she probably thought that that was the best thing she can do. And she's suffering from it, too. We <laughs> want to see
2: the loving side on, on everything. Yeah, I that's what I said about here. my mom leaving.
1: There you go. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that's very accurate. Like a pure sanguine kid, which is when I say pure sanguine, I mean that they have the personality that makes more sense with their biotype promoting sanguine and a promoter. And in, in the disc study is someone who's informal and dominant. So we're powerful and we don't need structure. And when you create that, t- that type of personality as a sanguine, which is the most obvious one, your dad can tell you something. Can I swear here? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, your dad can tell you something like, you're such an asshole. And as a sanguine kid, you just go like, he's paying attention to me. So he's telling me off because he loves me. Like sanguines will try and take that angle about everything. And then when we go and create a relationship with melancholics, they try and open our eyes, but it, it feels like they're trying to remove our magic. It feels like they're trying to shut us down in a way and you need to scientifically prove everything you say and that's not really valid and why are you taking those risks and those people are dangerous, they don't really love you. And as we feel like that's shutting us down, we intuitively feel that, like, that we need to balance out, which is what we do in our GP development. Like we create the growth trajectory for people to balance out their biotype and their personality. And it's mind blowing because every time I start talking about this, everybody in the room goes like, intuitively, I knew that I had to move in that direction. I've been trying. I had no idea how to. But the messages are there. If you're paying attention, you know exactly where you need to go. We just have the tools to make sure that that's the right path and actually push people in that direction. And when you're promoting Sanguine, and and you realize that melancholics are not the best match for you. You try to acquire their intellect so that you can be as smart as them without losing your sanguineness. And that makes us analyzing sanguins. And this is why when people look at us, they think that they're going to have just a good time with a sanguine. And when they see the depth of what we bring to the table, they go like, okay, I better pay attention. It, it's even funny for me in our podcast, uh, in, in Biotypical, where we talk about so many things in psychology and biotypes and everything where I would love to have you as a guest someday. People just listen to us because it's a podcast and they assume that I'm a melancholic because of how I speak and the type of arguments that I create. And then when yeah. they see me, they're surprised. They thought I was a skinny human being. And they were like, no, you're stocky and big and hairy. You're like, what, what is this? This doesn't make any sense because I don't look the way I act because I balance my personality out. And you're like that too. Absolutely. And- And the reason we fell in love with fake fires, and and we'll go to that axis after this, is because only fake fires, only a fake fire has the emotional depth as to actually understand us and try and connect with us no matter what, but still has the strength to shut us down and protect us when they need to. They have that double layer of, I understand your depth, but I will not be one of your groupies. And at the same time, I will not fight your power, but I can be more powerful than you when it has to do with protecting you and taking care of our family and what really matters to us. That's why we're analyzing balanced sanguins who fall in love with phlegmatic fake fires.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how my girlfriend acts. She's always saying, like, you know, I'm here to protect you. I'm here mm-hmm. to take care of you. You're not eating enough. You're not, you're not, you, how come you're doing so many workouts at the gym? You're going to burn yourself out. You have tons of meetings this week. Like, I really need you to go get a massage. I really need to like, and you're like, even time one time we were on vacation and she's like, you cannot do any healings or talk to anyone about anything spiritual or even pick up your phone. Give me your phone. This is time for you to sleep. You never rest. You never sleep. This is the time for you to sleep. Okay, honey, I'm putting my foot down. I've had enough. You know, and then I'm like, I'm like, okay, okay. okay.
1: You're describing my marriage. Like, (laughs) like... I had a really rough week because I went to Monterrey, in Mexico. But since I have a, a five-month-old baby, my, the pediatrician won't allow us to fly. So I had to drive there. And it's a 10-hour drive. And then I went there. We were at a wedding, a really small wedding that had been pushed three times. And it finally happened just with the family members with COVID tests for everyone. I was like, okay, that sounds responsible enough. But it was still a wedding. And then after that, I had an intro to biotypes that... was a really intense weekend. And then the day after that, I drove back to Mexico City. Then I had clients and coaching sessions with both governments and individuals uh, that, that I'm working with. Then I had three workshops during the weekend. And then I had a transformational training for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then yesterday... I woke up and my wife had hired a couple of masseuses to come to the house and 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 she was like, "I blocked everything off your calendar. You're not working today. All you're doing is spending time with your son, getting a massage, and sleeping. And you eat this and take this vitamins and make sure that you do that." And and I literally just went like,
2: "Okay, yeah, that's exactly what my (laughs) week was too. My week was absolutely wild." And then I got a massage yesterday, and my sister um, said to me because she's um she's a phlegmatic fake fire she's like you're going to take these vitamins you're going to drink this thing you're going to eat this i made a detox soup for you you're going to eat this salad and then you're going to go back to your room and you're going to sleep and that's what you're going to do and you're not going on clubhouse okay
1: (laughs) well you must have the record for the longest room in clubhouse once you were there like for 13 hours
2: i know that i don't know what, what i was thinking about that one that one, that doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. But that was, yeah, that was a little Thank crazy. God. Now I can do at least two hours and that's as far as I can go. And uh, my sisters a kinesiologist. So she actually tested me and then basically it came up like two hours. That's it. Yeah, because it's too much. Because 13 hours, was it 15 hours or 13? I can't remember. It Something was crazy. like that. I think it was 15 hours. <laughs> 15 hours of Clubhouse and helping being there for people. And it was a lot, but yeah. So, they okay, so you, you have a statue or something, something, a clubhouse statue. Something. Exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, if they have those YouTube plaques, they should send you the clubhouse one.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so we have Sangwens We have, uh, so did we go over a little bit of them?
1: We went through sanguines and melancholics. Now, I said that you're an analyzing sanguine like me,
2: but what is the control- sexual energy of sanguines? Because you had mentioned that he had mentioned that to you.
1: Uh, yes, uh, I, can, I can describe the sexuality of all four biotypes, but the sanguines in general, because the the what defines our biotype is actually measurable in our blood, and it has to do with our testosterone levels. This is why our stomach is so strong. This is how we, why we can just push through and go for hours and hours and hours like your clubhouse session and, and sleep very little and eat very little and then eat like a tiger the next day like you want to eat the whole world because you didn't eat yesterday and not paying attention to your health. And, and the way we see sexuality is very animalistic. What, what I mean by that is sanguins don't like toys, sanguines don't like games, Sanguines don't don't care about the lingerie that it's someone's wearing no and (laughs) it's it's funny because for example like with with my wife as we were going to take our our honeymoon after a wedding she was like do you want me to wear this do you want me to wear that and i literally told her whatever you wear i'm going to rip it out
2: so yeah me too
1: like don't 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 overspend on that like i really couldn't care because for sanguins, it has to do with, with the experiential, like in-body experience. So I always tell people, if you want to really connect with a sanguine, all you need to do is connect with them as they're having the right experience for the moment. So even if it's just like a sexual seduction, it's about if you find them surrounded by people, connecting to people, but dancing, making a difference somehow. And then you just grab them by the shoulders, push them against the wall and connect into their eyes, they're gonna be breathing like this.
0: <sighs>
1: yeah. Because they're just ready to go. Yeah. And and it has to do with the biting, the hugging, the pulling, yeah. the doing. Yeah. Like it's very animalistic. Our sexuality is very open and animalistic. And when we're men, it's like It's seen as an asset, but for women and especially in countries that don't have a lot of sanguine women, something that I do is every time I see a sanguine woman in one of my workshops, especially if it's in Mexico, I usually walk up to them and I tell them who you are is normal. Your sexuality is perfect. You're not a whore. You're not different from anyone else. You just express who you are in a different way. It's your biological structure and who you are is just fine. And they just start crying their eyes out because they usually, if they're especially surrounded by by pure phlegmatics, by supporting phlegmatics, they start judging themselves like crazy because they have a sex drive that phlegmatics don't have and and they have an intensity that phlegmatics don't have and they start judging themselves and saying like, there must be something wrong with me. I relate more to men than women. I understand men way better than I understand women. And I tell them, well, yeah, because your testosterone, like your body, your shape, your muscles, the the way you can digest and how powerful you can be physically, it it, it completely stems from from your testosterone. So that's why you express your sexuality like that. Mm
2: -hmm hmm. So and what about phlegmatics? OK, so
1: th- we, we talked about the axis between air and, and Earth with melancholics and sanguines. Now we're going to go into the axis of fire and water as fire on the top. We have cholerics. We'll go to them in a minute. Let's talk about phlegmatics. Phlegmatics are water. Their element is water, which is why they have a triangle looking down. So their element is water. They live in emotion and everything has to do with the motion in their body. It's not feelings. Feelings are for melancholics because feelings come from the head. Emotions happen in the body. They have to know to do with emotion. That's why we say things like, I feel moved. I felt moved by this because you feel the movement in your body of what's being created around you. That's why they're so hypersensitive to everything. Like, I always say that pure phlegmatics, supporting phlegmatics are the uncertified therapists that God sent us to understand us and gives, give us advice. We all deserve a phlegmatic as a friend. They're the ones that pay attention to you, know who you are, even before you realize it yourself. It's yeah, beautiful. that's my girlfriend. Um, I, I know guess why sister. I chose a phlegmatic for the, the, the mother of my children.
2: This of course I wanted to And my sister. She knows everything before it happens, even before I know it happens. And yeah. then she always says to me, Don't I see, don't, don't I, don't I feel everything? Don't I feel everything? I I, I feel everything. I felt it in <laughs> yeah. my body. I felt everything. And this yeah. and see, wasn't I right? Wasn't I right? And I'm like, Yes, you were right, Angelina. She goes, exactly. <laughs>
1: It's it's so funny because I'm really good at, for example, predicting movies because I'm a sanguine and because I'm a therapist and because I've been doing this for a really long time. Uh, when I when I watch movies, I go like, given the psychological pattern that they're presenting of this character, I know where this is going.
2: Oh my god! I- so do I. <laughs> So do I, I could tell I could break a movie apart of every psychological situation that was happening in that movie. And I can tell there there was a movie, uh, a TV show, um, the spoiler alert, the the Bridgingtons, and they were like trying to figure out who the person was who was um, writing the, the letters throughout, you know, through the town. And before the film, before the TV show was even over, I called my girlfriend and I called and I said to my sister, I said, this is who it is. And they're like, no, I'm like, this is who it is. This is by the psychological behaviors of this person basically tells you who it is. And they were at the end of the film when they saw it. They're like, oh, my goodness, you were right. How did you know? I said, because I paid attention to their interactions. Yeah, that's exactly how it works.
1: I, I was watching with my wife, the movie. This was like a year and a half ago that a a new movie came out on Netflix that was called Fractured or something like that. It's the same actor that was in Avatar. And it's a really intense movie, like with a lot of suspense. And people in Mexico were saying that it was mind-blowing, so we decided to watch it. And within the first 15 minutes, there's a scene, uh, again, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it. I won't say everything, but she... There's there's a scene, something happens, and literally I paused the movie and I looked at my wife and I said, from this point on, everything we're seeing in this movie, this guy's hallucinating. And she said, "No way! It looks exactly the same." And I said, "Yeah, but the three scenes that happened before—how how we were making clear of his mental state, how we were making like going through a very specific trauma that he can't handle because of his mental state." And I said, "And by the way, that rod that was sticking out of the ground—that that's going to be relevant somehow. You'll see." And the whole movie was about that. Like the whole movie was about it. But I'm always mind blown when. I can do it when I watch movies and the the script is very well built. Or when I'm working with governments, just predicting who the the one creating the corruption is going to be. Like, I can nail that like crazy. But when it has to do with, for example, our neighbors and my wife being able to say like, oh, just pay attention to this couple. You'll see. And everything she tells me happens like these ones are going to split up. And I'm like, how do you know? We've been with them for 10 seconds. And she's like, oh, pay attention. Like, you'll see. Give me a week. And in a week, whatever she tells me happens. It's yep. mind blowing. That's, That's exactly what, what my girlfriend and sister them. does.
2: That's exactly what my girlfriend and sister does. That's exactly what they do. And it's really great actually too, because I can see all those things. I write scripts. I write scripts for television, you know, and I'm working on a script right now that we're almost finished. We just finished the um, the six episodes. So we're now really going, getting ready to, to have a big meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the script and the, my writers who write with me, who are my partners, they're like, how are you figuring this whole psychological thing out so easily? I'm like, because I already saw it in my head, how they're interacting and who's the bad, who this is and who this is and how this plays out. And what's the jumping point to the arcing of the TV show that leads into the second season and all these different things. I see it all laid out in front of me like I'm in a room <laughs> and I can see the angles of the camera, everything. And yeah, that's because we're a I get it.
1: I love that, don't you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I love having that ability. And yes, it comes from a very different place. In fact, when we describe sanguines and the intro to biotypes in the in the workshop where people learn about all of physical traits and how to talk to them, how to how to how to create a powerful team, all of that. I always say, like, sanguines have a very sound judgment of the world. They understand if you put this person with this person, this will happen. If, if you put this person with this person, they will fight. But if you add this third one, it will work. We have a very mechanical understanding of life. And when we use it in a sound way, we can become mind-blowing at it. But when phlegmatics do it, it's just next level because it's not their mechanical understanding of life It's their ability to predict the emotions of people just by standing by them, which is mind blowing. So yeah, pure phlegmatics are like that. They have soft bodies. We can talk about that for a long time. The, yeah, the most appreciated true. feminine body for years was phlegmatic women. Marlene Monroe was a phlegmatic. Every Roman and Greek sculpture of a woman is phlegmatic. We adored them. We knew how important they were. But both phlegmatic women and women. And for years, we were actually in fashion, my friend. We're we're in the wrong era uh, when it has to do with, with looking exactly like a model because Men were supposed to be sanguine and women were supposed to be phlegmatic. Those were the images that we adored through the ages. And now we adore melancholics, both men and women, and we make sanguine people feel stocky and we make phlegmatics feel fat, which is horrible.
2: Horrible. But anyways, yeah. It's like, yeah, no I, like, vo- I, like the shape. I like that voluptuous. I like that voluptuous. You know the waist and the hips and the legs and the strength. You know, like I always tell my girlfriend, I'm like, you know what's so sexy about you, babe, is that you can just jump on a horse. You and I, and we ride, and you can just like, you know, she's just so. I mean, she just won Guinness World's Record for like cross-country skiing for 15 hours. You know, wow. like she, she can do anything. She's just like, and then she's emotional, and then she she sees things, she feels things, she tells me, okay, this is what's going on over here, and this is what's going on over here. Watch, you'll see. Two weeks, watch and see, and then all of a sudden i watch and she's like see i told you i was like wow i know they're mind-blowing amazing." my Uh, wife
1: even walks up to me and tells me like you're gonna be sick you smell like you're gonna be sick she's like what the hell are you talking about
2: i'm like my wife (laughs) and we're not married yet but we it's funny because we're planning our wedding and we haven't i haven't even proposed to her she's like Oh, forget the proposal she's like i'm so over it now (laughs) she's like let's go straight to the hungry like let's just start planning our wedding now (laughs) she's so funny but literally she does the same thing to me she's like you know what honey i feel like you're gonna come down with a cold and i'm like why she's like i don't know i feel it in you i sense it and then she's right and i'm like oh god i know i keep asking myself am i being programmed by her
1: or is she that accurate
2: (laughs) but i believe her yeah i do too i do too so So, okay so we have phlegmatics and what are they like um intimately
1: I'll go into that in a minute. I, I just wanted to go to give the full information, which is they're water. They live in emotion. They value relationship and they hide in depression. When they start avoiding their emotions, they drop into depression because they don't allow this clouds of emotions to go through them. So now they have a storm besides them and they can't deal with it. And that's how they fall in depression. Now, how are they sexually? And this is really interesting. People rarely ask me about this. I love that we're having a sanguine conversation about sexuality about from the biotypes. The sexuality, inflamatics doesn't really happen in the head at all. It only happens in the body. Like you, you don't need to convince their head of connecting with you. You need to make their body comfortable because they're sensing everything. So for example, when I met my wife, it was all about going closer and touching like her shoulder a little bit and then removing myself from the equation a little bit until I noticed that her body was completely comfortable with me because for them, everything has to do with how it happens in the body. Like, Phlegmatics are the only biotype that can be intellectually very smart, but know that something is a bad idea logically, but if it feels good in their emotions and in their body, they'll just carry on doing it. Even if they're killing themselves while they they do it, if it feels like they're making a difference for other people, they'll carry on doing it. Now, Mm. when it has to do with sexuality, it's through their body 100%, and no one would ever guess how amazing phlegmatics are in bed because they usually look very sweet and they usually look very tender and they usually look like they wouldn't kill a fly. And then suddenly when they're comfortable, you are not ready for the what they're willing to do. Like phlegmatics are the ones that when they're comfortable in bed, they'll start screaming at you and saying things like, do whatever you want to me. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care, rip everything apart because they're so deep into their physical experience of enjoying this that they lose it and they're really fun at it actually and they like toys
2: yeah yeah okay i can't say <laughs> yes or no to that because of who my girlfriend is but i will definitely say that that was absolutely brilliant <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i am i love how accurate most of this information
2: is unbelievable unbelievable you know? but believable truly yeah <laughs> wow i love talking to you okay i know we have to end the share soon uh so tell me who else do we have so we have we have melancholics, phlegmatics, sanguines, and we're just missing cholerics. Tell me and about that. And cholerics,
1: then cholerics are the fire biotype. And we don't have choleric women. We only have choleric men. And again, this has to do with the component that makes them who they are. It has to do with safra, which is a component of sulfur that all men who are choleric have. And this is what makes their skin look really rough, even though it's actually like really thin. It's what makes their hands be massive. It's what makes them turn red and be very angry out of the blue. Like they can bounce into anger in one second. I don't mean to say that they're all narcissists or arrogant. Uh, What I need to say is they're extremely powerful leaders. When a choleric has a good idea, they can shift the, the trajectory of the world. When a choleric wants to change something, they can completely change the world. The bad thing is that when they have a bad idea and they're arrogant about it, they can destroy the world and they won't stop. They're not really hostile, like they're not against people, but they're really, they're they're really aggressive and I remember that the difference between hostility like for everyone who's listening, the difference between a hostility and aggression is hostility is I'm against someone. Aggression comes from ad in Latin, which means powerfully towards. Cholerics are very aggressive. They're not against anyone, but they know where they're going and if you get in their way, you're going to be stepped on. That, that's pretty much how it works. Their element is fire. We call them the I impulse. They live in impulse. Like they know what they want and they want it now. Mm. And they value results. Everything has to do with if I respect you is because you, you have the ability to create results. If I judge myself like a good human being is it because I obviously have an ability to create results. That's what makes people valuable or not. And then finally they hide in anger when things are not going their way, when they're out of balance, they, they can. They can just explode or implode because there's both, both types of, of cholerics, the ones that explode against other people and the ones that implode in judgment of themselves, which is like analyzing cholerics or even promoting cholerics that can be a little bit dangerous when we put them both together. And if we want to talk about the sexuality of the last two to make this fair. Absolutely. Uh, uh, sexuality for cholerics is a little bit acrobatic and, and a little bit like just a really intense workout. They can be really fun because they can be acrobatic and trying to prove a point of how, what type of result they can create, but they can also feel a little bit selfish as they're doing the whole show and maybe not paying attention to what the other person in front of them is actually enjoying or not. And then finally, we have melancholics, the ones that live in their head that we were mentioning before, and melancholics have sex with their mind. Their body is just like an intermediary between their mind and the other human being. That's why with melancholics, you don't need to seduce their body. You need to seduce their mind. That's why when we find melancholics that are in love with someone, they go like, I just want to eat his brain. Like, he's so smart. He's so amazing. I admire this human being but because of what they can say and how, how they can just prove a point and articulate everything magically. They value that like crazy. And then... They usually like playing games like role-playing. Let's pretend that you are this and that I am this. I'm a thief and I just went into your house and blah, blah. Because everything is so intellectual that they need to be intellectually aroused and create scenarios in their head that make it dangerous and risk-taking and and interesting in a way because they don't get excited just through the body. They need their intellect to be in it. And if they get distracted, they can stop the sexual act right then and there.
2: Wow. Wow amazing so many people are going to be so happy with that information in the tribe because that is such good information we can go on and on and on but (laughs) i would definitely like to continue our conversations on clubhouse as soon as possible as we can get that in because that would be really amazing for you to come on the spirit hackers club and so that we can talk about this so many people would benefit from the talks that we've been having here and this really go into it a little bit more deeper you're amazing brother and I love you. Absolutely. Like core of my being. And I really appreciate you for being on the planet. Really.
1: Mm, Thank you so much, my friend. I love you so much. And whatever you invite me in, if we're going to support people into finding their freedom and compassion, which I know is really important for both of us, count me in.
2: Perfect. I'm very excited. How can people get in touch with you? How can they learn more? What, What do they do? Where do they go?
1: Well, they can go to Instagram and follow me at RGP Development. Uh they can go to rgpdevelopment.com and there they can register to our next intro to BioTypes, which will be on we have that one on March 27th and 28th. It's a two day workshop. Uh if I don't know where this when this will be aired. So just in case we have another one on May first and second, it's a full day, a full two day workshop like taking a huge dip dive and learning. All of the like physical uh, features of these human beings, how to relate to them, how to know who someone is just by looking at them, how to create a powerful team and definitely follow us on clubhouse and on Instagram where we do lives every now and then. When the workshops are coming closer, we start being really present on social media. So follow us on RGP development
2: and Instagram and clubhouse and we will love to see you guys there. Excellent. Fantastic. I know a lot of the tribal members are lit right now listening to this conversation and definitely they're going to be checking you out and following you. I'm super excited to have had you here on Ancient Wisdom Today podcast, uh, Rodrigo. Thank you so much for being on this planet. Thank you for being alive. And thank you for finding that path of yours through all your experiences. And thank you for being an amazing brother. I love you, bro.
1: Thank you, my brother. I really value our relationship and our path together. And so thank you so much for the invitation and I'll see you very soon.
2: Yes, love you. Hello, tribe. I am super excited that we had the amazing and the powerful Dr. Rodrigo Garcia Platas to be able to be with us on Ancient Wisdom today. I you know, I think this man is such a beautiful soul because he brings so much to life in his knowledge and everything that he does. I'm just amazed how he has come into his story and how powerful. He is in his expression and who he is and what he represents and, you know, facilitating at the age of 22 and really deepening his knowledge in different elements of psychology and really understanding personal growth and working with amazing people to really understand what it means to be this person that he is today, who has not only been able to bring about so much change that he's facilitating with understanding systemic psychology, but also being able to really share with people a way for them to know themselves and really to connect into that space you know and as he begins to you know to bring more of this knowledge of these biotypes and teaching people about what it represents and how to get into that space of human development and you know emotional intelligence and really being able to really help people get into a deeper understanding of themselves. You know, I think that's so important when we, when we think about that, because it's important for us to recognize how powerful it is when he's talking about these Unani biotypes. You know, this is an ancient method of identification and categorizing the different types of humans on the planet, you know, and being able to treat, you know, um, people both physically and mentally for imbalance. You know, and being able to understand that the body types give us a great blueprint so that we're able to truly understand how we can adapt and how we can continue to thrive as individuals, both within our relationships and how we interact on all levels of our life, you know. And this information has been shared amongst the Islamic medicine community and has made its way to the Western world and into English language for us and everyone to be able to take part in this amazing, powerful, ancient method that is now being shared with us in modern day times. You know, and we have to understand that, you know, when we talk about the Onani biotypes, as he was speaking about, right, which is basically the same terminology as temperaments, right? So the Inani biotypes focuses more on biology in addition to personality, whereas other temperaments focus on personality without much regard to the biological elements and features that influence them. So we realize that a lot of of information that's out there in the world, Is always psychoanalyzing us in our mind, but it's not just about our mind. It's about understanding who we are as individuals, you know, and humans are 70% biology and 30% personality. So while, you know, so when we think about that, right, modern psychology tends to look at a person's 100% personality, whereas Unani biotypes takes on the biology behind the behavior in account as well, which is systemic psychology. And that allows you to be able to understand the deeper message about yourself. So when he's talking about, you know, the four Anani biotypes, the cholerics, the sanguines, the um, phlegmatics, and the melancholics, you know, it's powerful. It's amazing information that he's bringing forth. And I'm so glad we had a chance to be able to learn about that. And there's so much more to learn. When I say learn, you know what I mean? I mean, remember because there's so much more that we can dive in and get really, really seasoned in this information. I mean, for myself as a sanguine, and he's also sanguine, he's my sanguine brother, you know, it also gives me an understanding to how my personality is. Because even just today, I was talking to my sister and she's like, you know, you're such an amazing person. I love how you always take action in life and you're such a genius and, you know, you're always out there. You're always putting yourself out there. You're always taking risks. And that's so true because a sanguine's, you know, lives in action and hides in excess and i can tell when i'm in excess when i'm like overdoing it you know with the chocolate cake or you know just doing something that is too much of the same thing all the time every time so for me it's really about balancing it out and being able to find that space between the balance and knowing what you know what my limits are, you know. But then again, you know, talking, for instance, like about my girlfriend who's a phlegmatic, or my sister who's a phlegmatic, who are super emotional and they feel everything in their bodies, right? And you know, and so again, having this information is not only helping me in my relationships, it's helping me with my family, it's helping me understand different people. And from a shamanic perspective, it's giving me another amazing viewpoint in which to look from. So as he talks about the, the cholerics and he talks about how they live in impulse and hide in anger or, you know, the melancholics, how they live in intellect and hide in fear, right? And we understand how, you know, we're accessing this level of information so that we're knowing more and more how our power and our energy is operating in this world. And how we're connecting with people, right? And so having that type of information available to us to give us a viewpoint on how we as individuals can grow and we can continue to prosper as we're moving through all of these different ways of thinking and connecting, you know? And I think that when we get into understanding that... If we are to become these beings who are fully aware and fully capable of recognizing our power and recognizing how cool you know, it is for us to be in our autonomy instead of always being people pleasers and stepping into other people's energy and getting caught up in all their drama and everything else, but if we actually learn how to stay in the nucleus of who we are because we know who we are, we're going to be a benefit not only to ourselves, but we're also going to be a benefit to others as well because the type of relationship that we're creating so as we're beginning to really dive into our relationships we get to see what type of partnerships we get into and we get to see the way in which we interact with people and the way they interact with us so we're not caught off guard Well, why is this person acting this way oh they're choleric this is the reason why they're acting this way oh this person is phlegmatic that's why they're getting really emotional this person is operating this way because this is a sanguine okay all of these different things right? Um, This person's melancholic, so this is why they're acting this way. So we begin to take bits and pieces of what we understand and begin to create a different way of communicating because we're beginning to communicate through authenticity and truth to our body types and who we are as an individual and the things that we need in order to thrive, in order to continue to adapt and evolve, which is so important, you know, and being able to have someone such as, you know, Dr. Rodrigo Garcia-Platas, who's an expert in systemic psychology and being able to understand from the years and years and years of experience that he's had with working over 90,000 people in the U.S. and all over the world to be able to teach them and educate them into that remembrance of this old ancient tradition so that people can live a better life. Because there's nothing like living a better life when you're operating from this place of, I have the ability to connect into and realize that I have a greater potential than what I know because I now know myself better. And when you know yourself better, you step into a greater understanding of who you are. And you also begin to understand how to connect into deeper ways in building your relationships, building your business, how you connect with people intimately how are you connecting in relationships and what types of things um, you need to pay attention to in your health what types of ways do you get inspiration and motivation and how to connect into these multiple levels you know And his company, RGP Development, is, you know, cutting edge and giving you that level of really giving that deeper understanding of what it means to step into that space. So having him on Ancient Wisdom today and sharing with all of us in the tribe so that we can open up those wellsprings of knowledge and remembrance of how we can step into ourselves with more love and more purpose and more dignity because we're owning who we are are and we're owning our body type. So, you know, when you are operating like me, for instance, who is a sanguine and having a girlfriend who is phlegmatic and a sister that is phlegmatic and my sister is a and my girlfriend are phlegmatic fake fires, I understand when they're getting emotionally upset and also understanding how they are really good at helping me take better care of myself because I'm always neglecting those things and going straight towards the action of getting getting things done and connecting with people and really being there to lift and shift people and traveling in the world and learning new languages and jumping out of airplanes and doing all of these things that we sanguines do and also being able to make sure that I'm actually listening to my girlfriend and to my sister who are phlegmatic who are there to say hey you know what you need to rest now enough get off your phone or you need to go do this because this is going to help you go spend time in nature go do this and just kind of having that reminder and not getting upset and feeling like they're controlling me because they're actually really looking out for me because I know the relationship between a sanguine and a phlegmatic and that gives me more power and it gives me more ease in myself as an individual to be able to go oh, I see why my girlfriend's crying right now. Oh, I, need, I know why I need to hold space for her right now and let her get all her emotions out without limiting her or taking it personally or being like, oh, you're too emotional. I can't handle you. It's just too much. You know, and just allowing her to be in that space because I know what's happening and I know what's going on. Or if I want to be intimate, you know, I know how to touch her and to hug her and connect with her on a soul level that allows her to feel that sense of love and that sense of security and safety with me versus how I would treat someone who is more choleric or someone who's more melancholic. The more we know of these Anani biotypes, the more we understand how to navigate this world with ease and grace because there's nothing greater in the world than being able to walk around, look at someone and go, oh, I know who you are. Oh, you know what? I know what you are. And I know how to handle you. I know how to talk to you. I know what kind of things that connect with you. So that way we are honoring each other in the most beautiful and highest way, which I think is so important today, being the fact that so many people on the planet feel misunderstood and so many people feel disconnected from themselves and from their community and from their social groups or from relationships or family members because they feel like they're not being seen or heard or acknowledged. But when you study... The four unani biotypes, and when you get into understanding what each one is and how they represent themselves in the world and how they look and what traits to look for and all of these things, you begin to create a different way of interacting with life. Right. I mean, how great is that to be able to interact differently with life, not from the perspective of reaction, not from the perspective of judgment or fear or, you know, wanting to meet someone's expectations, but really understanding the best words to use, the best way to communicate to them, the best things to be able to be in alignment with them so that you can get your point across to them so that you can share a beautiful relationship with them so that you can amplify something with that person and bring beautiful things into the world that support other people, right? So the more you you actually understand who you're dealing with and how they're interacting and who you are, you don't have to make excuses for yourself anymore. You let people know exactly who you are. The more people have this knowledge, the more people say, oh, Shaman Durek's a sanguine. That's the reason why he's making comments like that. That's the reason why he responds that way. That's the reason why when I spend time with him, he makes me feel like I'm on top of the world and then he meets another person and makes them feel like they're on top of the world. And it's not that he's, you know, doesn't love me any less because he does it to another person because he's a sanguine. And that would make sense why he does that. That makes sense why he can jump into an airplane and fly to another country and just submerge himself in all of these different things without having a plan or some kind of strategy on what he's going to do when he gets there. Why he doesn't need to wake up and have some structure because he knows he's going to get everything done because he's got so much energy and he's lit. And that's where his energy, because he's a sanguine, and that's a sanguine energy. Oh, but how can I support him? Oh, I can support him by reminding him to you know, to take some time and chew your, fo- your food slowly and get some rest and, you know, come take a vacation and leave your phone behind and your computer and, you know, and really tap into your health and your body. And, you know, and, and, and really let's go to the gym and work out and get the body strong and, you know, keep the health going and, you know, really being able to understand me. And that's just me. Can you imagine understanding you or you understanding another person? or they understanding you and we start understanding each other? And we stop putting all these these expectations And these limitations And these indoctrinations And these fear-based ideas About what we think a person should be what According to who we are Instead of realizing that we understand who they are We understand who we are And we know how to communicate to them And they know how to communicate to us And isn't that just a beautiful idea Of serving each other From where each other is in life Instead of, you know operating in this fear that the person doesn't know you and you have to walk on eggshells because you don't know if they're going to get upset or bent out of shape because they feel like you're stepping on some aspect of their identity or who they are. But when you understand the Unani biotypes, you get to understand a deeper relationship with life that you've never had a chance to understand. And I'm really happy that we had this amazing man, Dr. Rodrigo García. Platos to be able to share with us. This beautiful, amazing gift of being this beautiful soul who has so much knowledge and I'm so happy that he is my brother and he's also sanguine like me. So I'm very happy and I'm very happy that we had this amazing talk on ancient wisdom today to share with you and there's so much more to share and uh, we're going to be doing more things together I know for sure and I just want to thank all of you for being here to be a part of such an amazing conversation and really understanding how important it is and diving into an understanding of ancient wisdom and bringing it into modern day so that you can live your best life. Love you. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing, but some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change and I've learned how to get results who doesn't want to feel good the healing temple is not only beneficial to you but also to those around you because when you're feeling good you shine that positive energy onto others your partner your children co-workers even your dog or your cat everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better it's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world. The social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at to learn more. And remember, Tribe, no matter what, stay lit.